my last announcement, is Bob Sorge got stuck in the airport because of mechanical issues with the airplane. So uh, Pastor, the, luckily, Pastor Tim is the best backup we could have asked for because Pastor Tim can bring it. So we're going to be okay today because I believe that, first of all, Bob Sorge is you know, going to reschedule it, and it's going to be the right thing at the right time. But today, Pastor Tim's going to bring the right thing at the right time. So sometimes we don't know God's timing, but it all works for good. So, Pastor Tim. Stop it. Sit down. Don't pay no mind, you guys. Well, I am super sorry. Uh, yesterday, when I got the news, I was just completely bummed, and Katie told me that I need to make a Facebook, I don't know if you saw the video on Facebook, but she said, it needs, I said, why can't you do it? She said, no, it needs to come from you, and so I cut it, and then I sent it, and I said, tell me if I should redo it, and she said, well, you looked a little sad, <laughs> and the truth is, I was sad, and terrified, because I had to go into sermon preparation mode, and, uh, but uh, I was super sad because I really felt like, uh, you know, I know he's going to be a blessing when that moment comes that he gets to come to our church, but for whatever reason, it is not today, and so I say sorry now, and we'll, we'll get through today, amen? Amen. Well, it happened to be, oh, by the way, I just want to, just so you know, we're not having service here tonight because of that. We had a, a service scheduled at six o'clock, and so that has been now canceled. So nothing is going on here. If you've invited someone to come tonight, please make sure you call them, let them know, and uh, just remind them of what happened. We are, you know, our sincere apologies, but you can't, what's that? Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing whatever I can to do this right now. No. <laughs> Amen. Well, on Friday, when I was sitting in my room, kind of, I was going to clean up my office because I didn't want Bob to think I was a complete mess. And uh, I was busy cleaning my office, and I was also kind of uh, probing, you know, kind of where to go in the future and just kind of trying to get God's heart. And I came across this scripture. Uh, it's found in Jeremiah, and I'll, I'll refer to it here in just a moment. And um, it really got a hold of my heart. And so that was on Friday. However, I wasn't really digging into it. I just, I was there, I was looking at it, I was meditating on the thought of it. And I, at the time, I didn't have really any deep revelation over it. But when I got the news that we, he wasn't going to come, I began to just really search, you know, seek out God's face, and, and this, this word actually stuck with me. And I want to talk to you today, and I think I'm over 50% sure this is going to be a series, uh, but at the present, give me grace because it may not be, but I have a title of a series today entitled Running with Horses, and uh, I, wanna, I want you to open your Bibles to the book of Jeremiah chapter 12, because in that passage, the Lord says something to Jeremiah 
that I think is a word for us in our time and in our day and in our nation right now to the church. And uh, God spoke to Jeremiah about running with the horses. He said, you've been running with footmen, but you're going to run with the horses. And you've experienced trouble, and I'm not telling you it's going to get better, but there's going to be power to meet the trouble. You're going to run with the horses. And in order to do this today, I want to focus on this idea out of Jeremiah chapter 12 about running with endurance. And so if you have your Bibles, you can open there, or you can follow along on the screen. Jeremiah chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. I love this passage. You've got to just, just feel Jeremiah out as we read through this. Jeremiah begins in the first four verses by praying, and he's talking to the Lord. He says, Righteous are you, O Lord, when, when I plead with you. Yet let me talk with you about your judgments. He's like, God, I know you're God, but I need to talk to you about what you're doing. He says, why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why are those happy who deal so treacherously? You have planted them, yes, they have taken root. They grow, yes, they bear fruit. You are near in their mouth, but far from their mind, or literally, the word for mind is kidneys. Or you're, they, you're on their lips, but you're not in their heart. That's what he's saying. But you, O Lord, you know me. You have seen me. You have tested my heart toward you. Pull them out like sheep for slaughter and prepare them for the day of slaughter. How long will the land mourn and the herbs of every field wither? The beasts and the birds are consumed for the wickedness of these who dwell there. Because they said, he will not see our final end. They're saying that God is okay with us. He's not mad at us. Everything's okay. Verse 5. I don't think I read all of verse 3, did I? Did I read all of it? You have seen me. You have known me. You have tested my heart. I'm so sorry. See? Bob should have been here. No. Verse 5, this is God's response. God responded. He said, Jeremiah, if you have run with the footmen and they have wearied you, how are you going to run with the horses? And if in the land of peace in which you had trusted, they wearied you, how will you do it in the floodplain or in the thicket of the Jordan. That's the word. Keep your hearts open there, and let's, uh, let's dig into this. Holy Spirit, I need you. We need you. Every one of us in this room need a word from you, God. And I just pray, God, that your grace will be upon these moments together. Holy Spirit, we invite you to have your way through this word. Prepare us, God, for what you have in store for us, I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody says, Amen. 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 Turn to somebody and say, This might be okay. Go ahead and tell them that. 
Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, was a prophet in a very, very, very difficult time in the nation of Israel. He was a prophet. He was a, at the age of 21, the Lord showed up in his life. And he was raised up to be a priest, but God showed up to this young priest and said, I'm going I'm to make you a prophet. And we know, um, sorry, we know from the scriptures that Jeremiah was shy, he was reluctant, and he was super, super sensitive. We call him the weeping prophet because we see him weeping a lot. And God said, I'm, I'm going to, I'm placing you as a voice over the nations. I want to speak through you to the times in which you live. Not just to Judah, not just to the land of Israel, but to the nations. And Jeremiah didn't want to do it. He resisted God's call. He said, I can't do it. The Lord, the Bible tells us the Lord went to Jeremiah and told him, don't tell me you can't do it because I've raised you up for this time to do it. And it tells us in chapter 1, verse 9, that the Lord touched his lips. He touched his lips. And then it says in chapter 1, verse 10, that the Lord said, See, I have set you over the nations and over kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and throw down, to build and to plant. How many of you know before you can build and plant, sometimes you've got to root out? You got to take things out. You got to get rid of things that are going on. There are things of dysfunction that have got to be taken out of our life so that when God's planting is, gets into our heart, the things of God can grow. And the Lord said, This is going to be your ministry, Jeremiah. And the Lord touched his lips and he put his sharp two edged sword in his mouth. And Jeremiah's message was not an easy message. In fact, it was pretty straightforward, it was pretty blunt. There was a lot of grace in some of the things that he said, but essentially, Jeremiah's message in his time and for his age was, you better repent or it's going to burn around here, literally. And the nation of Israel didn't want to hear from God. The priests were far from God. When Jeremiah would bring the word, they ignored him, they rejected him. Even his hometown uh, even people from his own hometown and even members of his family didn't want to have anything to do with him. And, uh, but Jeremiah just kept on speaking God's word with a broken heart. And he was devastated by the rejection and the persecution that he faced. And people even, they, mis they misrepresented him and they persecuted him. And they even wanted to kill him. But Jeremiah, he just kind of kept going on. But once in a while, every once in a while, he unveils his heart to us and he shows us what he's struggling with in the season of his calling, what he's facing in the culture. And that brings us back to chapter 12. When I was reading here, Jeremiah goes into a, he's struggling with God. He's struggling with what's going on in the culture. God has called him. He's like, here am I, Lord. I'm a man of God. I'm doing what you've called me to do. Why are these people getting away with wickedness? Why don't you step in and do something in our time, God? I've been praying. I've been preaching. I've been doing what you've been telling me to do. 
But it, it doesn't look like there's any shift. It doesn't look like there's any change. It doesn't look like things are getting better. Where are you, God? Come on, does anybody know what I'm talking about? And he looked around him at the world, and he listened to the media, and he went on Twitter, and he looked at his Facebook posts, and he saw all of the confusion, the chaos, and the stupidity. What is going on, God? Where are you at? And I love the Lord's response. It's, it's classic. You think it's bad now? You haven't seen anything yet. You don't like the way things are now in the United States of America? You better buckle up. You haven't seen anything yet. But not only was God saying that, but there was implied in those words, you've been running with footmen. You've been putting up with a little pressure here and there. There's going to come a time when you're going to run with horses, but listen to the words. There's a promise in there. You're going to run with the horses. For every problem, for every obstacle, for every crisis, for every godless thing that you face, I will be there to empower you to see it through. But you can't get there and you won't see it if you don't endure. If you give up now, if you turn away now, if you walk away from your calling, if you walk away from your position, if you walk away from God's anointing on you, that place where God touched you, you won't see it. Not you. You'll miss out on what I had in store for you. That's what the Lord is saying. Jesus said to us, the person who endures to the end, that's the one who saved Paul said several times, countless times, really many times, in his own writings, you've got to persecute, you've got to perse you have to endure persecution, you have to endure tribulation, you have to endure affliction. It's not going to get easier. Amen. Is this really encouraging you? You have to endure. James said the person who endures, that's the person who's blessed. Paul said the person who endures is the person who reigns with Jesus. If we're going to run with horses, church, in these days and these times in which we live, and that is both the problem that we're facing, but it is the promise that God is saying you can arise to. If we're going to run with the horses, we're going to have to run with endurance. We can't give up now. And so I want to talk to you just kind of drawing a few things out of this passage about what it looks like to run with endurance. And so I want to, I want to go there today. I have a, a, few, a few thoughts. But before I do, turn to somebody and tell them just, you better saddle up, Trigger. Let's, let's tell them you better. It's time to get saddled up. Trigger was Rory Rogers for those of you. Listen, if we're going to run with endurance in these days in which we live, number one, we're going to need to pass the tests of our faith. 
Jeremiah said in verse 3, look at those words again. You have known me. You have seen me. You have tested me. God, you have been putting me through the tests. You know me. I want to tell you something. God knows who you are. He knows who you really are. And I don't mean that in a bad way. He knows what's in you. He sees the potential in your life. He knows who you are. He calls you by name. You're His. You belong to Him. He not only knows you, but He sees you. He sees who He destined you to be. But with that knowing and that seeing, there comes a testing. You're not off the hook. In fact, the Lord will allow us to go through seasons of testing so that we can be prepared for the greater things that are going to come. The greater possibilities, the greater works of ministry that God has in store for every one of us. I want to tell you something about as time winds down in this culture that we're in right now, God is winding up His kids and His people. We're not going out in a whimper. We're supposed to go out in blazes of glory. Amen. We're not looking to escape. We're looking to rise up triumphantly. If we're going to run with the horses, you've got to endure the test though. What I see is going on right now, I feel it in my spirit, is that we are, we are being swept through the waters, and we are being swept through the fires, and we are going through the floods. We are being tested. And so we've got to pass the test. If you're going to run with horses, you've got to do it. Amen. You think you're going through a hard time? I'm telling you, this is footmen. What you've been facing, what you've been grappling with, what you've been discouraged about, what you've been trying, thinking about quitting over, that's footmen. That's not horses. But you will run with the horses. But you've got to pass the tests. Amen. I don't know if you've, anybody in this room Knows what it's like to be tested. <laughs> but if you want to advance, you got to pass the test. You can't go further if you run away from the test. If you drop out now, you'll never go to the next level. Because the way God works His system is that He knows you he sees you, but He's going to test you. Amen. And if you're going to pass the test, if you want to move on, you're going to have to pass the test. And I don't have, I don't have this on my outline. You can appreciate. I put this together last night. No. It's, it's triple A. It's an available heart. Here's how you pass the test. An available heart, an attitude of joy, and an action of obedience. God came to 
Abraham and said, I'm going to test him whether he's more about the giver or the gift. And that's when somebody talked about Abraham sacrificing his son. I was looking for any points of confirmation today, <laughs> listening to the songs. And, and, uh, but God basically said to Abraham, you're going to, have a, you're going to be a nation of people more than the stars in the sky. And he gave him one lone son through whom he was going to do it. And then he turns around and says, I'm going to test him. Will you lay him down to keep me? Because it's all about me. And listen, I just want to say, wherever God has called you to, wherever God has called us for, to, he must develop us for it. And we're not going to be developed if we're holding on to the things of God rather than holding on to God. And so the Lord is really getting the church, I think, today to get us to the place where we're going to run with the horses. And the horses, you say, well, what are we talking about here? Well, I, I, I left the whole thing out in my introduction. This is because I, I don't know what I'm doing up here. I'll tell you what we're running with. We're running with the white horse of deception and delusion. The book of Revelation, chapter 6. There's a, massive, there's a massive deception sweeping over the land. And we're going to run with that. The Bible said that the spirit of Antichrist is already in the world. It's not something that's going to happen in the tribulation and we're going to escape from it. This is, these are things that we're running with now that God is calling us to. There's the red horse. And the red horse is the fear and violence. The Bible said he had power to make war. And so we're seeing a massive sweeping of fear and violence over our land even now. Confusion, deception, delusion, untruths, godlessness, and fear and violence. These are the kinds of things that we're going to be running with. We don't have to run away from these problems. We've got to run with them to get the victory over them. Amen. Amen. Then there is the black horse. The black horse is economic chaos and collapse this is all this is everything that's going on right now in our culture and in our time is it's all wrapped around money and power and collapse and dependency upon man rather than upon god then there's the pale horse rider these are this is another horse we're riding with the pale horse rider represents death and destruction and if we're going to run with these horses, we have to pass, pass the test that we're in right now. And we first of all have to have an available heart to be available to God, to say, God, if there's something on the inside of me, in my money, in my life, in the way I think, in my relationships, if there's stuff in me that needs to be cleansed and, and cleared away, God, do it. And in the process of passing these tests, we not only need an available heart, we need an attitude of joy. Amen. Come on now. 
Why aren't you smiling back at me? <laughs> James 1, verses 2 through 4 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Count it all joy. You know what the word count means? It means add it up. Do the math. Look at what the trials do. Look how they benefit you. I know you don't like it, but get joyful over it. Amen. That's what James is saying. He said, count it all joy. Do the math when you fall into various trials. Why? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces patience. Anybody in the room need a little bit more patience? That's why you're in a trial. That's why life sucks. I'm glad my mom isn't alive to hear that cussing in church. I mean, she's in heaven. She's alive. <laughs> Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work. I'm telling you something. God doesn't, he doesn't do anything halfway. He's going for perfection. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So God gives a dream to Joseph. Sets him up to be a world ruler. And then he allows him to go through the test. And every step of the way, the dream seemed like it was being undercut. And it seemed like there was just no way that it was going down further and further until he came to a place where God almost, out of, out of nowhere, just exalted him to the place of power. I want to tell you something today. You may be in a place right now in your life where you just felt like you just keep going deeper and deeper and deeper, but you need to get ready because the Lord is saying you're going to run with horses. You've been playing around with footmen, but you're going to run with the horses. I've been getting you ready for this. I've been preparing you, so rejoice. It's happening. Amen. Come on, church. Rejoice. It's happening. But with that available heart, attitude of joy there has to be the action of obedience you know at the bottom of our test at the bottom of it here's what God is looking for will we obey him no matter what I've been so uh, my new favorite song is by Bethel Jen Johnson was singing it the other day I listened to it three times in a row. And she said, though the word, she's talking about send me is the name of the song. And she says in there that though the word cuts like an arrow, I will say it anyway. Here am I, send me. And then she said, and even if they reject me, it's my will to obey. Here am I, send me. That's what God's after. That's what Jeremiah had to do. He had to, he had to say, God, I'm, I, I don't like this. I don't like what you put me through. I don't like how this makes me feel. I don't like the way my family has mistreated me. I don't like the way the things are going in the nation, though I've given my all. But I'm here to obey you. I'm not here to do what the wind of time and, and circumstance kind of blows my way and tries to get me off course. No, I'm here to do your will. And so, 
I think heaven is... <laughs> we need to pass the test. Amen. I'll try to keep my, you know, sorry. To run with endures, number one, we got to pass the test. Number two, we need to build our spiritual stamina. Now listen, a lack of endurance boils down to this weariness of soul. When we don't endure, what has happened to us is we've allowed weariness to get a grip hold in our soul and in our heart. This is why the Apostle Paul said in several different places, don't become weary in well-doing. He said in Galatians 6, you're going to reap if you don't quit. If you don't stop, you're going to see a harvest. But you can't allow the weariness of what you're feeling to take over your life. And basically what that means is we've got to build our own spiritual stamina, spiritually speaking. I'm not a runner, and I thank God for it. <laughs> but I have run. And I know this, that if you're going to be a runner, you're going to have to build up to it. And that means you've got to do it. And no matter what you feel like, and no matter how the weather is, you just kind of keep on doing it. Because you know if you lay around for seasons and you go back out there and try to give it your all, you're going to wear out quick and give up fast. Which is why sometimes we sign up and then we don't show up. And we get inspired. Oh, I'm going to run. I'm going to run. I'm going to do it. And then we don't do it. And then we lay out. And we get saggy. <laughs> and we don't have any stamina, spiritually speaking. We're winded. We're easily winded. And we bend over. Choking for air. And if we're going to endure, we've got to build our spiritual stamina. Amen. Yeah, if you want to run with endurance, you've got to run. And keep on running. Amen. I don't know any other way to say it. Now I speak by the Spirit and not by physicality. Just so you know today. So why do we become weary? Well, I looked up the word weary in the Hebrew, and I, I, went, I went into the Strong's Exhaustive Concordance. The word weary, get this, it means, it could be translated exhausted, grieved, impatient, offended. Whoa! Man, when I was reading that, I, I, I just read them over again. Weariness is exhaustion. It's grieving, it's impatience, it's offense. And it was like those words leapt off the page into my spirit. And the Lord saying, this is why people grow weary. They get exhausted by the troubles they go through. They allow the troubles 
to wear them down and to wear them thin and exhaust them. He also seemed like to me that the Lord was saying that people get weary because they're grieved over pain. Pain that they go through, pain that they have to endure, painful things that happen to them, and they're grieved by it, and they just are just in a state of weariness over it. Another one is impatience. Impatience. You know why you're weary? Because you're impatient with God. That's what Jeremiah, that's, isn't that what the Lord said to him? He says, if you're gonna, you've been running with footmen and you're, and you're weary? Wait till you run with horses. You think this is tough and you're already weary? But remember why the whole point why the Lord said that to him because Jeremiah was like, God, why are the wicked people getting away with all of this? And he's like, Lord, I know that you're righteous, but I want to talk to you about what you're not doing. I know you're God, but I'm not happy. What's he's, he's impatient with what God is or is not doing. That's why you get weary. Because you're focused on the outcome right now. And God is focused upon the outcome of eternity. And what he's leading us to. He's just been preparing us. Amen. And then that word offended. Weariness. Is an offended heart. We're not pleased with how God has dealt with things. And we're just. Offended. We're offended. We're upset. We're not happy. We're out of We're out of sorts. And the Lord is saying, look, if you're going to run with the horses, and that's what I'm calling you to, you're going to have to resist this spirit of weariness. So how do we do that? How do we overcome weariness? Well, the one verse of Scripture that came to my heart, Isaiah chapter 40, you guys know it. You've at least heard it. In verse 29, it says, the Lord gives power to the weak. Come on, can I get a good amen out there? I love that. He doesn't give power to the people who hold it all together. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, which all of us qualify, He increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall, but those who wait on the Lord. Come on, say those words with me. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Here's how you overcome weariness. You wait on the Lord. Everybody gets weary a little bit. Or if you're like me, a lot of bit. What's the answer? It's not to be impatient with God. It's not to be offended. And ready to quit. And be there but not be there. Come on, you know, you know anybody like that? They're there but they're not there. 
How do you do it? You wait on the Lord. And that word for wait doesn't wait mean, oh, I'm just waiting around. Hopefully God will move. That's not the word. The word means to wait with watchful expectation. Like when I was a little boy, and April 11th was getting closer, which is the day I was born, the greatest day in the world. <laughs> I knew it was birthday time. And I knew I was going to get something. It wasn't a matter of if I'm going to get something, if it's going to come around. I knew it was coming around. I was looking for it. I knew I was going to get a cake with candles. And I knew I was going to get something. I maybe didn't always know what. Sometimes that was the thrilling part. But I knew something was going to happen. That's what it means to wait on the Lord. That's what breaks through that weariness of soul. God, I know that you're going to do something. I know that you're going to show up. I don't know how. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what the flavor of the cake is going to be. I don't know what the going to be in the box necessarily, but I know that you're going to give more strength and you're going to break through this weariness in my heart. Church, listen. God's taking us somewhere. And we're going to run with the white horse of deception in our time and in our culture and the red horse of fear and violence that is sweeping through our nations right now. We're going to run with the black horse of economic chaos, and we're not going to be afraid of it. We're going to run with the pale horse rider of death and disease and destruction. We're not, we're not out there running to lose. We're running to win. But we have to build our spiritual stamina. We have to pass the test. Right now, we're in a test, and it's good for us. Just call me Jeremiah. <laughs> it's a good thing you're going through this test because God's building you and making you, but don't allow weariness to offend your heart. Don't become offended and impatient. Hang in there, amen? I'm almost done. My last point. This is my last point. Isn't God good? We need to receive God's power to do the impossible. We need to receive God's power. So how do we endure? How do we endure? How do we run with endurance? Paul said in Hebrews chapter 12, run with endurance. The race. Stay in there. Don't quit. Don't give up. Looking unto Jesus. How do we do that? We have to pass the test. We have to build spiritual stamina of commitment. But we can't do anything without receiving the full-on supernatural power of God's Spirit in our life. There is no way. Can I tell you something? When the Lord said to Jeremiah, you're going to run with horses, as I already said, on the one hand, he was saying, the problems you've been facing are nothing like the problems that are coming. But he was also saying, you're going to run with horses. But how many of you know, there is no manpower that can match horsepower. 
A man in his own strength can't run with horses. It can't be done. So what was the Lord saying? I'm going to give you the power to do what you can't do. I'm going to make it possible for you to do the impossible. Woo, come on now. Come on, let's get, let's get Pentecostal around here. I'm going to give you everything you need. And I think that was in one of the words of the Lord here this morning. I'm going to give you whatever you need to do whatever I've called you to do. You'll get the power. But you can't do it without my power. And I think the Lord was speaking inadvertently or, or actually just straightforwardly with, with uh, Jeremiah and saying, you, you can't run with horses without my supernatural power. And Jesus said, what I've called you to do, you can't do without my power. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Not when you go to church growth conferences. That's not where you get your power. You don't get your power from looking you know, to man or listening to what man has to say. You get your power from me by my Spirit. Amen. Remember that time when I read it earlier when, when the Lord touched Jeremiah's lips. And the Bible said the Lord put His Word in him. Anytime you see in the Old Testament the touch of God's hand on anyone, that is a symbol of God's Spirit coming on that person and empowering them. And so that's what God wants us to understand. That the way this is going to get done, if we're going to run with the horses, if we're going to have an effect in the day and time in which we live, we can't do it in our own strength. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. How do you receive that power? Well, here's what Jesus said. In uh, Luke chapter 11, I don't have the scripture up there. But if you remember the passage, right after he was talking about prayer, he said, ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. And then he goes on a little bit after that and he says, for the Lord will give the Holy Spirit to them that ask. How do you receive this power? It's in these three words. Ask, seek, and knock. How do you and I get this spiritual power, God's Holy Spirit power on the inside of us so that we're not operating in our own strength, but we're operating by His strength and by His power? Remember, He increases strength. He gives more power to those who are weak. Amen. Come on, anybody in the room weak like me? You need God's supernatural power. He said, ask. Here's, here's how you get it. Ask God to fill you with His Holy Spirit as often as you possibly can. We have not because we ask not. And so rather than asking God to get you out of a problem, asking God to save your husband or get rid of your wife, Asking God for a new job. Why don't you ask God for power? Power to love my wife. Power to show up at work. Power to be a witness in the dark. What you need is power. You don't need ouch. You need an outpouring. And he says, the only reason you don't have it is because you don't ask for it. You're asking for a lot of other things 
Why? To spend it on yourself. But if you will ask for my spirit, you'll get my spirit's power. You have to ask. Remember Jack Nicholson and a few good men? Ask me nicely. <laughs> my best attempt. God says, ask me. Ask for a fresh anointing. Ask for fresh power. Seek. Everybody say seek. seek. That word seek means literally to, to search out or to hunt like a hunter. Like go after it. Seek out God's heart for your life. Be extra sensitive to hearing God's voice and listening to his word. Listen for the voice of God in the dark. Seek out God in his word because the spirit of the Lord moves upon the word. Jesus said he will guide you into all truth. And the spirit of God will touch you. If you will seek him out, if you will seek the Lord out, the Lord will begin to speak to you by his spirit. See what made Jeremiah so effective when it was all said and done was that he heard the voice of God and he spoke it. You and I need to seek out what God is saying. Seek out what the Lord is saying. I wish that we would thumb through the Bible like we thumb through Facebook. Or, you know, how often do I, I'm, can I confess? How often do I pull this out and go like this and then start doing this? Just out of, almost out of boredom. I know there's nothing of value in this except good recipes. <laughs> Find some good ones once in a while. But boy, if we could do this with God and His Word, how often would we just constantly listening, hearing, hearing because there's power in it. Power in the Word of God. Amen. And then he said, knock. Everybody say, knock. This idea of knocking to me is that, you know, it's that physical, that physical thing like you're going after it. You're active. You're not sedentary. You're not sitting around. You're like, this door is closed. I don't see any opening here, but I'm going after it. You know what Jesus said to his church? Matthew said, he recorded these last words. Go. Just get up and go. And I'll be there. I'll be with you while you're going there. And when you get there, you'll see me there. But you got to go. You got to move. You got to get active. You got to get involved. Can't just sit around and wait. Well, I'm just waiting, you know, up on this mountain. I'm just waiting for my ship to come in. Jesus said, I've already sent you out. Go. Amen. The way you get filled with the Holy Spirit is the Lord sees you active and is like, whoa, he needs some of my power. She needs my power. I can't leave her hanging. I can't leave him hanging out there. He said, I'll be with you. But see, if we sit around here and do nothing, then God doesn't need to give us anything. Amen. I feel a little mean right now. If we sit around like a couch potato, all we are going to get is crumbs. That's all we're going to get. 
Here's what Paul said. I want to remind you. In Ephesians chapter 5, I don't have the scripture up there. He said, walk carefully in the days in which you are living right now. Watch. The days are evil. Redeem the time. Make the best use of what you have. By being filled with the Holy Spirit. How do I walk circumspectly or carefully and navigate the treacherous terrain that I'm on right now? How can I run with the horses? Redeem the time. Be filled with the Spirit. That's how you do it. That's, that's, your, sure, that's your sure footing. That's what gives you stability in really bad terrain. Church, I really believe that the message, I guess I feel in my spirit, that the message of the Lord for us is you think it's bad. Now, it's going to get worse. But you're going to get better. And you're going to match every demon of darkness, every anti-Christ spirit that's pervasive in the culture today. I'm going to give you power to run with it. We're not going out in a whimper. We're going out in a blaze of glory. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, that's all I have. I think I saw somebody walk up here. I know I did. In fact, she's waving at me right now. Do we have a microphone for her? Sabine? Oh, yeah, thank you. I want to get you a microphone here. Hi, everybody. Great message. Thank you, Pastor. The Lord uh, showed talk to me this week, and it, it was about freedom. And uh, we know the Lord came to set the captives free. But this is not the freedom he talked to me about. And I just want to obey uh, and share that word. I proclaim freedom today. Freedom in your land, in your town, and freedom in your homes. I came to set the captives free. Walk in my freedom. Don't allow men to take away your freedom. You must fight for it. You must proclaim it from the rooftops. I died so you can be free. I delivered you from bondage. So straighten up, look up, and walk in the freedom I gave you. Don't, don't look with your natural eye. Open your spiritual eyes and you see what I'm about to do. Freedom is costly. Freedom cannot be bought. Freedom needs to be fight for and freedom is precious and will never and should never be taken for granted. Fight for your freedom. Don't allow the enemy to rip it away from you. Hold on. It's worth it. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Let's all stand together. Thank you, Sabine.
Can we just take a moment and just praise God for the freedom that we have? Can we just do that right now? Let's just, would you just lift up your hands with me? Oh, Lord God, we just want to thank you, God, that you did, you have set the captive free. And we are a testimony of that, Lord. We are a testimony of the freedom. And I pray, God, that we would heed the word of that word today. Just like Paul said, stand fast in the liberty in which you have been set free. Hallelujah. And I pray, God, that we would have this sense that we are, that there is a power in us, God, a supernatural power and a freedom in us, like in those kind of wild horses, God, but but, but not a wildness of rebellion, but a meekness, a power under control, Lord, under the control of God. And we're freely, Lord, moving and running, God, with the vision and doing your will and your purpose in the earth, God. I pray, Lord, that we would have a, that we would have a real uh, sense and understanding this morning, God, of what you're calling us to. Can I have the prayer team come on up to the front and be ready to pray for anyone who might need prayer and as they were coming and making their way up here I just want to give opportunity to any one of you who has a special need in prayer maybe something that was said in the in the message today about God's calling on your life or about your need of being filled with the Holy Spirit and you just you feel that dryness of soul and you just want a refreshing you want fresh oil, the fresh oil of the Spirit of God to come upon you, or you need a healing touch. These individuals are here to pray with you over that. And uh, so I, I, I'm going to pray one more time, and as I'm done, you can either leave or you can come up here. But how many, how many appreciate the Lord today and His presence? Amen. And I don't know, I just feel like just feel like I need to pray over us one more time. God, I just I thank you for this church. Thank you for this people. I thank you for the encounter of your presence here this morning. I know, Lord, many of us have been through some really severe trials. Some of us, Lord, are in the midst of a, a dark place right now. We're completely discouraged about how you're doing things or the slowness of what you're doing. God, we look at the culture around us and it just really discourages us. It's depressing, God. We're sitting here feeling and thinking like, we're doing everything you told us to do, but why aren't you showing up? Why are you allowing this? And then you, and then you bring a word like you bring today through the prophet Jeremiah. I pray, God, that we would see at the bottom of this word is a promised hope that greater things are coming. Greater things. Greater promises. Greater power. Greater possibilities. If we will endure. I pray for a spirit of endurance to rise up within us. And that we would reject the spirit of weariness and walk in the victory of Jesus Christ. Be with us, God, in our day-to-day -day lives, in every battle we face, everything we come up against.
God, I pray that in this season, you'll be like a great horse trainer. God, train us. Train us, God, for greater things, we pray. In Jesus' name. And everybody says amen. Amen. God bless you guys.